0: And now, for the review of the day. Here's a review from Sandy F. The number one thing I think I love the most about this podcast is how many episodes there are. Pat consistently puts out podcast after podcast that is value packed with content. It took a while for his voice to grow on me. It's a little shrill, LOL. Also, I usually fast forward about three minutes in the show to bypass the repetitive commercials, promoting his latest sales pitch, as well as the one to two minutes in the middle of each show. Can't blame the guy for trying to make a buck, but it's a little bit much. I still recommend listening and learning. Hey, thank you, Sandy F. And by the way, as you may have noticed, we have shortened our intro and are now only doing one a review rather than like 12 in a row and uh so everything's been shortened up so you have been heard thank you sandy f keep the comments coming guys i love them and remember i eat feedback for breakfast so give me a one star review if you want or a five star review if you want i don't care and the more reviews we get the better guests we get so please subscribe first and then leave us a review or wherever you're listening All right, Rockstar Nation, we have a great guest today coming from East Peoria, Illinois. I got Mr. Adam Merrick on the line from Adam Merrick Real Estate. And man, he is turning some heads and making some stuff happen there. 812 units last year. And uh, we're going to dig deep today into what exactly it is he's doing, how he's doing it, and how you can do it too. So without further ado, Adam, welcome to Real Estate Rockstars.
1: Thanks, Pat, for having me. It's an honor to be on your show.
0: Hey, buddy, why don't you give everybody a rundown of who you are so they can get to know you better?
1: I'm a broker owner here in East Peoria, Illinois. I've been in the real estate business now for 13 years. I'm 33 years old. got started when I was a pup. You know, I kind of always knew I was going to be in business. I just didn't realize it was going to be the real estate business until I got on the right track here and, and got my real estate license.
0: There you go. You remind me of myself. I got in business when I was twenty-one, so you got in a year before. So that's awesome. So let's talk about some nitty gritty before we get started here, Adam. As we do with all guests, what is your ECI, Adam? Your ego commission income.
1: My uh, ego commission income. Well, yeah, the
0: total number. <laughs>
1: The total number, right? So uh, my Ego Commission income is probably a 3 or $4 million number when it comes right down to a brass pack.
0: Right. So so you closed $100 million, right, in, in real estate in 2016. So probably be between two and three unless you got really big transaction fees, right?
1: We actually do have some pretty, pretty sizable transaction fees that we charge on our local market. Our average sales price, of Pat, is, is fairly low in comparison to the national average. I mean, we, in our market, we're at $135,000 average sale price. So we have to turn a lot of units in order to generate some uh, real commission dollars. And our listing team, we charge a $795 transaction fee. And on our buy team, we charge a 695 transaction fee to our, to our customer for okay. our
0: services. So that would make, make sense why it would be, you know, $3.5 million or so. So that's... Interesting. Okay. What is your profit margin, Adam? Uh, we're about 40, 42%. 42%. And so and that's after you pay your agents and after you pay your marketing and everything, right? That's correct. Yeah. That's great. So you're pulling about one, one 1.5 yourself net, which is pretty good. So let's talk about how you're doing that 1.5. You did 812 units. Where would you say uh, most of those units came from? Most of, most
1: of our transactions are, you know, mass marketing, mass media marketing. You know, we generate a lot of come list me leads through uh, radio, television, billboards, and complement our marketing efforts with a lot of prospecting. We have a full-time inside sales agent that uh,
0: generate business funds, chase down for sub owners, expired listings. So, Adam, 812 units. Like the bulk of that business, right? You know, most people's bulk of the business is SOI and furls. I'm guessing that, you know, in order to get that sort of unit, you need to aggressively have a philosophy of everything works, nothing doesn't. Of everything, what would you say the number one source of leads is for you? The number one source is radio. So how many deals are you doing from radio?
1: We probably closed about 116 116- transactions that we we track strictly to, to the radio source
0: okay cool and then are you with rate matt wagner or are you doing a radio on your own what are you doing with that
1: i am a rate customer what matt wagner is i'm a client of his
0: okay all right and we've certainly had about 20 of matt's clients on before so we kind of get the idea of what you're doing your biggest ad that's working now for you is it the guaranteed buy the guaranteed sale. Uh, we do. We do push the guaranteed sale pretty heavy. One of the things that
1: we've identified that works really well in our community is uh, our success stories. You know, we have uh, every week we probably have three to five seller success stories that we can put out in the marketplace. You know, these when I when I talk about success stories, Pat, I mean we're talking about homes that are listed for three days and sold at 102 percent of list price when they were on the market for nine months with another broker and and failed to sell. You know, sometimes it's, you know, we're the third, fourth agent in the market that's taking a listing and, and turn, uh, you know, a, a stunning time on market and, and a very high sales price, a list to sale price ratio. So that yeah. seems to work really well in our market.
0: I like that. I like that a lot. Specifics rather than generalization. A generalization would be, I'm number one, I'm number one, which is such a, which is such a cliche in this market. Everybody's number one in something. And here, Adam's doing specifics, guys. Listen to that. You know, this is my average sale price. This is a sales story of somebody. This is a testimonial for someone. Very specifics, which is how you win listings and how you win business. So tell me about your circle prospecting. I know you guys do a lot of that. You know, what systems do you have in place? How often are you doing it? Talk to me.
1: Sure, sure. So our circle prospecting is probably different than I would say the the typical agent. You know, my... My understanding of a circle prospecting is going to be: you have an inside sales agent or, or one of your one of your broker's staff that's you know calling around a maybe a listing and maybe just sold. You know, when we're circle prospecting, we're targeting a specific audience that they have their hand they have their hand in the air. They have their hand in the air. Uh, they've reached out to our firm, querying about their market value. You know, on a home evaluation page, they want to know more about real estate. I mean, most of the leads that we generate, Pat, are, are not cold. Leads. I mean, we're not we're not knocking on doors asking people if they are thinking about buying, selling, or investing in real estate. They're coming to us because we are the local authority. For the last ten years, we've been heavily marketing that we are the agent of choice. That we're getting the job done, and we're turning the results that our customers are looking for. So when we're prospecting in our sales department, it's not to people to ask if they want to buy, sell, or invest in real estate. They've already come to us somewhere through you know, our sales funnel and entered their information and told us that they're interested in real estate. Now, the question that we always have to ask ourselves is, are they going to be interested in interacting, buy and sell or invest in real estate today? You know, which we're running a race, right? It's speed to lead. It's getting in front of them quickly. It's presenting the right information because they're probably interviewing agents or are they running a marathon? You know, are they just in the information gathering stage where they, they just typically want to understand what this process is going to look like? You know, kind of safeguards. You know, do we have in place to make sure that when we start doing business together, that we're going to be able to get the job done for them? So, you know, we're prospecting leads that are a little warmer than I'd say most most brokers. You know, throughout the country.
0: Attention, real estate agents who want to win more listings, want to discover the secrets of how to create wealth and freedom by embracing the listing life without the pain of getting rejected by sellers and losing listings to more experienced agents? If so, then join me on a very special free webinar event titled How to Beat Experienced and Egotistical Listing Agents Without Commission Cutting and Overpricing. On this training, you'll discover the answers every real estate agent needs to know to instantly win more listings, including... The six most widely used scripts to get a seller to sign the listing paperwork. The three success hacks to combat an agent with a huge track record of success. And the four easiest statements that instantly get sellers to pay higher commissions. These three things and so, so much more. So if you're serious about wanting to win more listings, Without getting rejected by sellers and losing listings to more experienced agents, register now for this special event that will show you exactly how to create wealth and freedom by embracing the listing life. Register now at hybendigital.com backslash listing. Or by texting the word listing to 444-999. That's listing to 444-999. And make sure to stick around for the huge game-changing offer that you won't receive anywhere else. That's listing to 444 or online at hybendigital.com backslash listing. See you there. Okay. So Hi. talk, talk you know, to me have, about that, right? So if you're calling down a random street how how are those leads warmer?
1: Well, we're not calling down a random street, Pat. Okay. We have a database, you know, that, that is to have come to us right through home evaluation, through you know a certain type of advertisement that we're running. It's a call to action. These folks are registering online or calling our office, and we've compiled a database of about five thousand homeowners in Peoria that over the last five years they've put their hand in the air. And wanted some additional information from our company about buying, selling, or investing in real estate, and that's where we spend all of our time. Uh, so we generate a lot of leads in my company, and we do a really nice job of lead follow-up once they enter our lead funnel. So most agents go down a, a random street and call random phone numbers, and you know you have to dial three hundred different dials to talk to thirty different people. And out of the thirty people, you hope that you get you know a few yeses or, or that they're going to be interested in the future. Our model is a little different. You, know, you kind of asked me that question, what's your number one lead source, right? Well, when I say radio and we track 116 sales to radio, the most common answer from our customers when we try to source them, and when we ask them, you know, Hey, who can we thank for referring to our company? And they go, geez, you know, we heard you on the radio or seeing your billboards or TV. A lot of times they kind of go, when we ask, why are you interacting with us? And how'd you hear about us? They, they kind of say, we, we hear you everywhere. We see you everywhere. We've everything that you're doing is working and it's it's those three things for us that they work they complement each other very well and it's hard to really track them down to one one specific source when you do everything.
0: Yeah, Does that yeah, makes right. Yeah, ab- absolutely. And I think the more a lot of people say they see you see it three times for it to really be a true like come list me type of call where it's so much easier because they've seen you everywhere, right? The social proof exists. Like they'll drive by a sign, see a sold sign, they'll hear you on the radio, and then they'll get something in the mail from you, or one of your people will call them. And so that's kind of how it rolls, and, and that's great. So talk to me about uh, how your team is set up.
1: Sure, sure. So, you know, I'm uh, specifically the CEO uh, of my company. I'm not in the day-to-day sales operation. What that means is I have a sales manager in place. I have a director of operations. So let me back up. My sales manager facilitates all of our sales meetings, our one-on-ones with our agents, He's working on recruiting, retention, and really pushing the the revenue needle, right? He's revving it up, making sure that we have enough, you know, we want to make sure we have enough leads, but we have a sales department that can handle the lead flow that we have. That's probably been our biggest struggle over the last two years. We'll we'll go back to that. Okay. Too many leads. Too many leads. That's been our biggest problem. You know, what we've identified is that most, I'm that kind of broker, Pat, that, you know, I kind of came from a place that I just need to generate a ton of leads and we're going to just grind it out. And as we've grown, you know, I've got about 25 people on staff now. You know, I realized that most of our brokers, I mean, you know, they don't want to work 90 hours a week. You know, when we're generating five, 600 or uh, five, 600 buyer appointments a month, you know, we need a bigger sales staff because when you start meeting people, there are additional tasks and things that need to be done on the service side. and We need to make sure that you have, you need to make sure that you, you understand how many leads an agent can handle in a month's time and make sure that you staff up to that. And I think that that's, you know, it's really important.
0: That's a great conversation because I, I think a lot of people are out there thinking to themselves, they're driving down the road and it's like, how could this guy say his problem is too many leads. And I think what you're saying is not enough people or systems in place to churn the leads, right? Correct.
1: That's absolutely correct.
0: Because every year so, that goes by, these the leads, the quality of the leads dissipates more and more. Would you say that's true? Like it's not every year that goes by, you have more agents touching the same lead and you have more leads from people that aren't real buyers or aren't real sellers. Uh,
1: you know, Pat, I have to say that I... At this point in my career, I'd have to, I don't want to disagree, but I, I guess no, I disagree, disagree with that in our disagree, local market. Yeah. Okay. Talk um, to me about it. What, does, you know, so what at, does it mean? Yeah. Well, here's the thing, right? So if you look at our team, and I mean, my specialists are closing, you know, an average, like 65 transactions a year. Okay. Their skill sets, because they, they talk to more customers, they vet out more leads, they qualify more people, and they close more deals than anyone else in our local market their skill set's a little sharper than the, the national average agent that's just closing a few transactions a year, right? So, you know, what we find is that even though someone it. may have touched this this lead a few times, you know, a few different agents had, had take the opportunity to, to talk to this lead, whether it's Sign Call or Zillow or whatever, you know, they're probably not asking the right questions, Pat. And, you know, the thing about the real estate business, and, and you know this in a very high level, is that this business isn't it's not rocket science, right? I mean it's a very simple business it's just not easy because of the time that it's required in the hours of operation. So when, when our specialists are talking to the leads, we find that it's not that hard to convert them. And in fact, you know, that's why we need to really grow. And that's why my focus has been growing our sales staff and our training program to make sure that we can bring on more agents, ramp them up quickly and get them into a specialized model as, as soon as possible. Because, you know, what we find is that we are converting the leads and it hasn't gotten any harder it's actually gotten a lot easier to, to generate the leads and convert them. And that's why, you know, our de- the demand in our businesses has gone up. You know, I think that uh, there's a lot of agents that are spending money out there, but they're not really testing or, or checking their return on investment. So they, you know, they're in and out so quickly on a marketing campaign. And when we look at our success, it's part of my success is just kind of the long haul. You know, we put a measuring stick up to our dollar that we're going to spend. We make sure that we're going to return on our investment in terms of the lead flow. We master our scripts and dialogue to make sure that we're, we're communicating with these leads correctly. And we move on to the next uh, place that we're going to spend some money. And then we, we do the same process. Pull the measuring stick out. Uh, make sure that we're getting a return on our investment. We look at our scripts and dialogue to make sure that we're, we're saying the right thing to that particular lead. Because every lead that we generate or every different source, they, we might tailor that script just a little bit in order to have maximum conversion. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So what sort of
0: return on investment do you look for?
1: You know, I'm looking at a four to one. If it, you know, it depends on the source, right? So you start talking mass media marketing at first, a little slower, slower go. But, you know, you look at online platforms that are, that are generating a massive number of leads for us. You know, the Zillow, the, the Trulia, the realtor.coms of the world. You know, we're, we're looking at, you know, like an eight to one because we're just getting a lot more leads. And they're, you know, in my opinion, in our market, they're inexpensive sources for us.
0: And when you say eight to one, you mean spend a thousand, get back 8,000? That's correct, yes. Yeah. Okay, that's great. And if you could do that now, with Zillow, man, you're doing something right. So well, I here, to find out what it yeah, is. Here's the, here's the thing. What I, in, in our market, we're kind of in this
1: pocket. You know, I travel, you know, I've traveled the country, met with a lot of brokers, you know, spoke in front of tens of thousands of people and really hung out with a lot of the top performers in the real estate community. And our markets kind of, you know, we're in this like really small rural market I think our, uh, metropolitan area has like 350,000 people. You know, our, the lead cost is, is fairly insignificant compared to Atlanta, Georgia, right. Or, you know, Chicago, California, some areas in California. So we're,
0: we're sort of fortunate in the sense that the cost per lead for us is, is very affordable. Yeah, you're not kidding. So, and, so how do you take me through the process, right? So, okay, so you pay for the lead. The lead comes in. Somebody mm-hmm. raises their hand, says, "I'm interested in this house or whatever." Where does it go to first?
1: Yeah. So, if it's a if it's a buyer lead, so we have our this departments split out. So, if it's a buyer lead, it's going directly to one of our buyer specialists. They're going to really? work that from so inception to, to the- disclosure
0: it goes direct to the mm-hmm. to the buyer specialist and and these guys are selling 65 houses a year on average yes how do they have time to deal with the leads and sell 65 houses a year i mean what all are they doing is there an isa involved at all in this transaction
1: no no we've we've played with isas on our buyer team and what we realized was the lead conversion went down. You know, for me, the model makes sense. You know, I'm a came from a heavy prospecting background. However, what we found is that when you put the an employee in charge of your lead funnel and yeah. they're compensated the smallest amount of money in the whole transaction, mm-hmm. uh, we did we saw a lead conversion go down. So wow. last year we experimented with with uh, the inside sales department. We reeled that back and we kind of said, okay, well, why why are we doing an inside sales department? When we just need more agents, bottom line, we need more agents. So, and you know,
0: so so who's doing the, like the long-term follow-up? Is it that, that buyer agent? Absolutely.
1: Yep. So what we do is we move our leads around, right? So if a buyer agent has a lead in their, their platform, it comes in, it's going to come in as a new lead. They immediately move it over to qualify so we can track the time that the lead has been in our system until they, an agent put their hands on it. That's a five-minute response time or less is what we, our average should be from eight a.m. to nine p.m. Uh, within a five minutes, they should touch that lead, move it over to qualify, make a, make an attempt to get a hold of them. They should make, make be, they should be making multiple attempts per day on the the, the first few days that the lead enters our system. Then we're going to put them into a nurture campaign. You know, after we, after we take an, uh, enough time to, to exhaust the, the qualification of that lead, we're going to nurture it for about eight weeks. Then we're, we're going to send it over to a watch position and then after that if it's sitting in watch too long we're going to have one of our administrators come in once a month we grab all of the watches and archives out of the database and we move it around and give our other agents an opportunity at that lead because for some reason that agent didn't connect with that person right Maybe that person didn't like their voice or they're not sending the crafty enough email or their text message that's coming through just isn't quite speaking their language and the personalities are, are not mixing so you know, we do move our leads around within our company and we found that that, you know, we give someone a new look at that old lead. We do, do dig for gold. For, we, we mine for gold in our database.
0: What's a toolbox? A toolbox is a box full of tools that you use to build something great. Do you want to build your real estate business into something great, something massively profitable and productive? Well, we've got a toolbox for you. Basically, we've collected all the tools that the rock stars of the past have given to us over the years. And uh, many times these tools come in the form of a checklist. They come in a form of a postcard that they're sending out that's very different and extremely effective. Uh, They come in many different forms, and and many of you have gone online to the show notes and downloaded these toolboxes. The challenge is you have to go back through each episode to each show notes on the website and download them one by one. Well, I've put them all together, and I've created the Real Estate Rockstar Toolbox, and I'm giving this toolbox away free. Tons of items of utility from many of our past Rockstar guests. All you got to do is go to hybendigital.com backslash toolbox that's hybindigital.com backslash toolbox or to make it easy simply text toolbox to 444 that's toolbox to 444 use the tools that the rock stars are using to make more and more commissions every day So, so essentially that agent gets 30 days of freedom with that lead, right? And it, it, your standards are five minutes, speed to lead, you know, three or four times a day. But there, there's no accountability to that, right? You're just, you're just assuming they're going to do that. Then at the end of 30 days, they haven't been able to move that lead to qualify, you rip it from them.
1: Well, if, if they have not gone to hot or if it's not still in the nurture category – then it's coming away. We're, we're, we're pulling it away from them. If it's in one of those two categories or hot, then we're going to leave it alone and monitor. Now, the accountability, Pat, is our agents fill out a daily activity record every single day.
0: Okay, tell you know, me that's,
1: that. It's really one of the... So when you look at the, you know, how are you doing this uh, with your sales team without inside sales brokers, that's the question I usually get it it comes down to just just some standards and some accountability within our organization you know it's not a free for all at our company i mean every morning 8:30 we have a daily huddle the daily huddle is going to be about 15 minutes we're going to it's celebrate amazing. everyone's personal victories we're, is going, this to, on we're Zoom going to talk or about is
0: something. it uh, live in person
1: so in in our market it's live in person uh, okay. we're in a small well, enough market that everybody can get to the office and traffic's not a nightmare so everybody is physically trucks.
0: there. All the agents are physically there at 8:30 every morning. And that's that's Monday to Well,
1: they're usually in the office around 8 and then they're they're in our meeting at 8:30 sharp.
0: Okay, cool. And then what do you guys tell Monday, me
1: about through that? Friday. Meeting? Yeah. So, uh, the meeting, okay? So, it's pretty basic, right? There's like five things that we touch on. First things we're going to celebrate any personal victories, you know, we want to get personal with our team. We want to be close. I mean, our team's very exclusive to get into and it's all inclusive once you're there. So, you know, we're like a business family. So we want to talk about personal victories. You know, we hear about baseball games. We hear about, you know, someone's kid that did something really cool. Maybe somebody's spouse did something nice for them or they did something nice for their spouse, whatever, right. But some personal, we want to go around the room and and just kind of hit, hit some of those celebrations and celebrate our our people because they're real people. So that's what we do first. Then we're going to go into uh, listings that we took properties are coming back on the market. And then any reductions on our inventory because we have to share that with our sales team. Because of our database, we've got 24,000 24, potential buyers that we can alert on a, one of those things that are upcoming. Then we're going to celebrate pinnings. Then we're going to do lessons learned from the from the day before. You know, some sort of lesson that an agent learned that maybe we don't want to duplicate that learning process, and so we can we can fast track sharing. And then uh, right after we get done with our lessons learned, we we wrap up our our daily huddle, our administrative team uh, goes and get started and we take 15 minutes and we do some pretty serious script practice. Wow. And
0: what time is this meeting let out?
1: Uh, nine o'clock, eight thirty 30 to nine. It's pretty regimented.
0: Yep. Okay. And so like what scripts are you practicing now?
1: Uh, right now, the, uh, you know, a hot topic in our market is, is pricing correctly. Hmm. So on our listing team, we're really, we're really focused on pricing. we had a slight shift in our marketplace and we want to make sure that our listing brokers are, are paying attention. They're prepared to help people. You know, if you don't price their home correctly, you're not helping our customers. So pricing correctly, price reductions. And then recently we've kind of had, we've had some, some other brokers in our market combat our transaction fees. So we're kind of working on, you know, some, uh, some of the scripts there just to make sure that we're sharp and, and our, we can articulate the value of our team and, and why we have to charge those fees.
0: This is great. Would you be willing to role play with me on both of those price reduction, right? So I'm listed at you know 175. I'm really worth one mm-hmm. 159.9 max, right? Because the market showed. I've been on mm-hmm. the market 95 days. You call me. I pick up the phone. Hello. Hey
1: Pat, Adam Merrick here. Thanks for taking my call. This is a business call. Do you have a few moments? Yeah, absolutely. Great. Well, we just ran another clinical review of the market for you. We had about 200 people target your home online. This will be the second week in a row, Pat, that we haven't had a single showing on your home. And, you know, if you're feeling the same way that I am, you're probably a little disappointed with the results at this point in time. Is that right?
0: Yeah, absolutely, Adam. It's uh it's like I'm off the market but on the market. You know what I mean? I'm on the market but off the market. No one's looked at it in like three weeks, so what's the sense of even yeah. having this sign up, well, you know?
1: Well, Pat, and that's why I call you every single week and give you this market update. Okay. Uh, we generally see eight to ten showings per month on, on our listings and you're not getting that type of traffic. We've pended ten properties this week. Buyers are on the move, you know, we're at the end of the primary selling season. After all the data that I've collected over the last ninety-five day, days, Pat, I've identified a problem. Do you have a few minutes? We can talk about the problem, so we can talk about a solution. Yes. Okay, great. So the problem is, is that you know, when we take a listing like yours, and you know, in our current market, Pat, we're not testing our marketing program. You know that. I mean, you, you hear us on the radio, you see our television advertisements, the, the billboards. I mean, we are moving real estate. We've sold over 400 homes already this year. We're not testing our marketing program. We're testing your price in today's market. And one thing that the market's telling us, Pat, is that it's inevitable. We're going to have to look at an adjustment in order to get new buyers through the door and the result that you're looking for. Now, let me ask you this, Pat. Do you still absolutely want to sell your home? Yeah, 100%. Okay. The market data supports that we need to lower the price and target a $159,900 listing price and it's likely that we're going to sell it within a, a few percentage points of that. Are you prepared today to make an adjustment that can, that can help you get your home sold?
0: No, I think at, at that price, I'd almost think I'd have to rent it.
1: You'd have to rent it. Okay, now, Pat, let's talk about that. How many investment properties do you currently have in your portfolio? None. None. Okay. And uh, have you ever been a landlord before? No. Okay. So are you aware of some of the risks that are involved on a $159,000 rental in, in today's market?
0: Mm-mm.
1: Okay. Well, here's one of the biggest concerns that I have in that situation, Pat, is that, you know, at the end of the day, no one's going to care about your home the same way that you do. Would you agree with that?
0: Oh, yeah. I've heard the stories.
1: Yeah. So, well, and here's the thing, right? So, you do the best that you can. You find a tenant. They're going to, in your market, the rental income that you're going to generate is probably similar to the expense that you have in your mortgage taxes and insurance. So, you, the risk that you run is that you're going to have a hundred and you have a $160,000 home right now. You're going to barely break even every month. And if those folks don't happen to uh, take care of your home and and they don't, they fail to pay you one month, you're going to be paying them, paying for them to live in your home. Now, if that went on for six months and and you had to evict them, what would that do to your financial budget, Pat?
0: Yeah, we don't have them.
1: You don't have the reserves. Okay. Yep. So here's the thing. You want to sell the home. I know I can help you based on the net sheet that we broke down and and the, the expenses that we talked about we can sell your home between 155 and 160,000 and you would still have a little bit of equity left. Let's do the right thing. Let's let's finish what we started. Let's adjust the price accordingly and get your home sold in the next 30 days, Pat.
0: All right, let's do it. Okay, okay. great. I like that because you're essentially you're just I mean, I think most agents the reason they don't get significant price reductions is that they're just afraid to ask or they really do believe that going from, you know, 174 9 to 172 9 is going to make a difference when it's an absolutely ridiculous thing to lower a price like that. I mean, if you really want, if you got a house, that's not, you had it shown in three weeks, you need to drop it, you know, 10%, you know, so I like that because you go for the juggler, and when I said, oh, I'll just rent it, which I used to hate that when I was selling, I used to hate getting that line. You just completely talked me out of it.
1: Well, here's the thing, Pat. It's not that we're trying to talk you out of it. I mean, at the end of the day, you're not experienced in, as a landlord. I mean, you have zero experience as a landlord. You don't understand the risk that's involved. You know, I would say the majority of the time that I've had a customer that has told me that they're going to lease their property. And early on in my career, I was, like most, I was a weak agent. You know, I, I took that at face value and I accepted the fact that these folks can throw a rental sign up there and cover their mortgage and, and everything was going to work out well until it didn't. Mm. You know, when my customer, right. uh you know, they told me they went to rent their home. I said, fine, you know, well, you know, go ahead. And six months or a year later, they called me back and said, Adam, this has been a nightmare. I, I just evicted this guy and my house is trashed. You know, will you come out and tell me how much my home is worth today? And I go back out at that one hundred and sixty thousand dollar home that I had priced at one seventy five, and I identify that it's now worth one forty, and they can't afford to sell their home. Right, their equity just diminished, and so now they have to spend fifteen twenty grand get their home up to speed, all the while making a mortgage payment on a home that's uh, sitting there vacant. Mm. You know, it, I've discovered that I can't help people unless I'm super honest with them. Yes. You know, when and and I tell I tell them straight up. I mean, whenever we're having a tough conversation, I mean, just understand here, I'll, I'm telling you the truth. It's much easier for me to say, hey, listen, you know, everything's great. Just wait longer, but that's not going to get the job done. No differently than if their doctor said, hey, listen, you're really sick. Why don't you take a couple of Tylenol and, and, and take your Tylenol a day and just call me back in a week if uh, nothing changes. You're not helping anyone.
0: That's, I mean, right. You have the to have doc- tough conversations. The doctor's not a
1: professional. Have have and you have to have a good bedside manner in this occupation. I don't think... And all the real estate training that I've ever been through, they don't talk about bedside manner. You know, you have to, you're telling people a lot of, a lot of times in our business, on the listing side of our business, you're the bear of bad news in, in most cases, because they think they have a million dollar home and they think that they, all their, all their decorating and blood, sweat and tears they poured into it is going to net them this massive return on investment and over the last few years in our market. That has not been true. You mm. know, and I think, you know, so one thing that we practice every day is having a, good bedside manner, but being very honest with our customers, you know, at the end of the day, a price reduction is just like taking a listing. It's either a a race, you hurry up and get it done and and price them accordingly that that will cause their home to sell. Or sometimes you have to have multiple conversations week over week over week to finally get them to say, you know what, I'm ready for this. Let's get it done. And, you know, in our business, it's a, it's a combination between an art and a science, right? Hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's, yeah. that's the way that, that's the way I look at it. I mean, you know, there are variables out there that you just, you just don't know how it's going to affect the price of the home. Sometimes a steep driveway, what's that? How much are you going to discount the home because there's a steep driveway? Yeah. You know, you, you just don't know that until you, you have to have a strong marketing campaign. You set expectations and you launch the listing and hold some standards to that listing as far as, you know, foot traffic and feedback. You know, every listing we have, we expect to have some foot traffic. And then from there, we have to look at our feedback. Our feedbacks going to help steer us. And, you know, of course, we have to counsel our customers on on what to do next after we have those two things, those two data points to to consider.
0: That's awesome. I I love what Adam says. He says, you know, when he talks about a mixture of an art and a science. And what Adam's really good at here is he's a storyteller. So he's taking in very specific things, comps, market, days on market, whatever. But then he's also turning in some art. Which is the storyteller of, hey, I used to have a seller who one time also had a steep driveway, and this is what happened, and he didn't drop the price and and he ended up sitting on the market and then you know he ended up getting foreclosed on or he rented it and you know he wasn't expecting the air conditioner go up or the the lady clogged up the toilet and flooded the hole downstairs and his insurance didn't cover it and, and then it got mold or whatever. So he's mixing science with art constantly. Even things, even on, uh, like you said earlier, on the listing appointment, uh, on the calls that you're making out, you're always mixing art and science. Very good. Very good thing to think about. I think, Adam, I'm going to wrap this up with a question about growth, because you certainly have had a great growth run here, starting at 20 years old. Now you're 33 years old. I'm assuming every year, pretty much, you've, you've grown in business. Like, How many houses did you sell your first year? 40. Okay. My and first then- six months was, uh, I'll take that back. You
1: know what? My first, my first calendar year, I sold 20 homes. My first six months I sold zero. And that's where I did a lot of soul searching and a lot of, a lot of research to figure out what I was doing wrong. What'd you learn? But, uh, yeah. So education, right? Uh, you know, when you, when you pass the real estate exam from the real estate commission, you don't know it all. And uh, just cause you have a license to sell doesn't make you a successful real estate broker. Mm. Uh, it 's very expensive to be in this business, when you 're not generating any revenue and you, know, you need to be a, a lifetime student if you 're going to be a, a real estate professional because you know, things change technology 's evolving, and if you want to be highly competitive, you need to make sure that you 're educating yourself every day on on lead generation techniques and you know I mean this business is all about lead generation
0: yeah, so what would you say the biggest lesson you 've learned in going from forty units or, or zero units? let's just say 40, your first active full year to 800. You know what? I know you learned a ton of lessons along the way, but what's the recurring theme that people out there can take from growth? Oh, man. Well, the biggest
1: thing I'd probably, I'll just talk about the most recent, right? please. So when when you go from a realtor to, you know, a team, you know, and for us, there was a big learning curve for me to be a business owner and to grow at the pace that I wanted to, you know, so, so last year we, we identified that, that we were missing uh, a fundamental process in our company. And that's an onboarding process, you know, at the end of the day, you know, business can't grow faster than the extent that you do. So for anyone that's listening to this show, I would recommend that, you know, if their business is growing and they're white knuckling it down the highway, have, you know, some challenges go on in their, in their business world, they need to probably look at themselves and find a book that's going to relate to their situation in their life and just constantly be a student of the business and not just the real estate business but business in general. At the end of the day, whenever you're having a challenge, you just need to you need to address it and you just can't your business can't grow faster than you do personally. You know, always have to work on your business skills and a higher level of education to, to help, you know, hopefully someday some leadership a leadership team underneath of you.
0: Yeah, I love that. And so, what did you guys do with the onboarding process? How did you solve that challenge? We're still working on it, Pat. I mean, you know, <laughs> so we, do we have-
1: don't have the magic pill, but we focused on it. I mean, honestly, our biggest problem—and I, I hit this early on in the show here—but we were generating a lot of leads. My agents were highly productive, and I didn't realize that they have a capacity. Right? I mean, I didn't. I just thought they wanted to do more transactions. They'll just work more time and throw more effort at this and. And all the while, my foot's on the accelerator, generating more leads. And I really wasn't looking down the road at the long-term problem of, you know, everyone's going to have a capacity, you know, financially and and time-wise of what they, you know, what they're willing to devote to for their time to make the money that they want to make. And we put everybody in our business at that maximum capacity without even knowing it because we grew so quickly and we weren't recruiting, we weren't, you know, we weren't staffing our team. And creating the higher level opportunities for tenured agents on our tenured agents and tenured staff. So we've really developed a revenue sharing program to help our company's growth, to incentivize agents to help recruit other agents. We recently rolled out a healthcare program to give some additional benefits. Helps with our recruiting. Helps with our retention. We're really at, at this point all about you know building our agents up to be the best business owners they can be, and create the biggest opportunity that they could they could seek after in the real estate industry in our local market.
0: Yeah. That's, what's one of the funniest things about business is just, you know, having problems and solving problems, having problems and solving problems. And you, you've certainly got a knack for uh, being aware of it. It sounds like you're solving the challenges that you're dealing with, with, you know, older agents leaving and lack of newer agents coming in and retention and all that. That's all normal business. And uh, you wouldn't be having those problems if you weren't massively busy and, you know, a big business in your, in your market there. So this has been great, Adam. I really appreciate you taking time out of your busy day. Now, as you know, we have an agent toolbox where every guest comes in, throws a little tool in the toolbox. We give it free to all our listeners so they could go out there and use it in their business world. What tool can you give us today that uh, the agents can use in their business?
1: Sure, sure. Pat, one thing that I think is very useful is a very a highly effective seller intake form. What we, what I realized early on in my career is that if you don't have all the, if you don't ask all the right questions up front with a seller, you go on site, you meet with them and you discover new information, it's, it's going to put you at a disadvantage on taking that listing. So I'm going to go ahead and put it uh, in the toolbox, a seller intake form that we've, kind of protected and it works really well in our business that I think some of your listeners could uh,
0: benefit from. That's awesome, Adam. Thank you so much for taking time on your busy day. Listen, if if I'm ever in East Peoria, I will definitely look you up and we can break some bread, my brother. Awesome. Thanks so much. And it's been an honor to be on the show. Thank you for tuning into Real Estate Rockstars. Please subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher or wherever you may be listening. If you haven't already, please give us a review. I don't care whether it's a one-star review or a five-star review. We eat feedback for breakfast, and we need your reviews. Also, the more reviews we get, the better our guests become. Thanks again for listening, and find me on social media simply by typing in my name. I'm Pat Hyben, and keep rocking.